This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to Talking Devils. Brought to you by talkofdevils.co.uk. I am your host, Keen Franey, and today we're here to talk all things Manchester United, all things Chelsea this Sunday, and also the potential new interim managerial appointment at Old Trafford. But in saying that, we are here this at 7 pm this Friday evening. I am glad to be joined by Manchester United author and um, Mr. Wayne Barton, and also down below me, also joined by Mr. Phil Marsh, former Manchester United player. So, very good panel here tonight, here on tonight's podcast. Very good. Good evening here, and you know, glad to be speaking to the two lads again after, I suppose, a kind of short turnaround of, of, of events. But um, first of all, Wayne, haven't spoke to you in a while in the podcast, obviously. Um, how have you been keeping? How's the form lately? Um, yeah, pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> what was I supposed to say? Um, it's been a bit of a nightmare, hasn't it, for us all? Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not talking in generally, of course. I'm talking about um, as being a United fan in the week that we've had. Um, Notwithstanding the result um, on Tuesday night, um, yeah, um, generally all right, can't complain. Um, but in terms of United, obviously not very good. But that's what we're here to chew the fat over, right? Um, yeah, how have you been, Keen? You all right? Yeah, very good. And look, I think it's football is kind of a way of life almost. And when the, I suppose last kind of two weeks, Manchester United and the events going on, it would get you down. Not going to lie, it, it would hit you. But at the same time. So it is it is a game and you do have to kind of kind of look at it do from a different perspective in life. So other than that, I'm good coming up to Christmas. Late late Thai show is on here tonight in Ireland. So though that's an event in itself. So that'll be on later on. I know I'll be watching that with the girlfriend later on. Just get that plug in there for RTE over here. And um, yeah, look, just all good other, other than that, you know, it's coming up to Christmas and going back over to Manchester next week for the Arsenal game. So you know things to look forward to. Um Phil. How are you? Um, obviously, we've talked last week off camera, and yourself and Lee and Wayne attended um, the di- re- reuniting the dinner last night at Old Trafford, meeting a lot of former players and coaches that you had at the football club. How how was that last night? Yeah, oh, it was amazing. We had a we had a really good night. Um, as I say, it was was great to sort of you know connect again with some of the coaches and you know some of the former players and staff and just some of the fans in general, really. Um, yeah, we had a we had a great time, and obviously, you know, shared some really good memories, and you know, talked all things, you know, past and present, um, which was which was really good. That's brilliant, and and do you know the fact that you you've met with kind of 
other like former coaches and players you've played with, and obviously Lee from doing the podcast, like you, your teammates, but you also do the podcast kind of quite regularly. Like obviously coming out of this lockdown period and kind of everything going back to normal, I'd say it almost it almost like felt surreal, kind of being back in Old Trafford and meeting them faces again. Yeah, definitely, because obviously it's been a long time, and and you know some of them coaches I, I've sort of kept in contact with, but sort of only over the phone and and you know messaging and stuff. So to actually see them in in person and to be able to have a proper conversation was was something that you know I, I sort of. Um, you know, I'll cherish that because you know them are the people that you know made my time at Manchester United what it was, um, and and they're the they're the people really that are sort of uh, unsung heroes at the club who, who you know they're the foundations where all the young players come through, and um, it was just great to obviously you know catch up with them and and sort of you know meet Wayne again and and Lee and have a have a chat over some nice food and and just to you know be in a sort of um, environment again what's what's more normal. Yeah, definitely. It's great to kind of be in a social environment again. It's great to kind of connect with people. It's absolutely fantastic. So what I always like to see. Guys, we're going to touch on Manchester United, um, first of all, because this last kind of, I suppose, week has been kind of a whirlwind of emotions um, for for Manchester United fans and anyone who's connected to the football club, players, former players, journalists, everybody. Like, it's been kind of a a whirlwind of a week and um, obviously look last Saturday we succumbed to a 4-1 defeat away to Watford and it was kind of the beginning of the end of kind of Solskjaer's tenure and, and for me it was very down the dumps myself not only because of the result but because obviously I knew the writing was on the wall at that point and um, Wayne obviously me and you always discuss Ollie we always discuss kind of the, the situation of football club and we we are very connected to this football club we we, we care about it when the news broke Sunday morning that, you know, Solskjaer, until you know, his time was up as Manchester United manager, how did you feel at that point considering the, the progress he did make over them couple of years and kind of that connection he had with us as a fan base? Yeah, look, the connection will never go. That'll never go. It just make, makes it more difficult. Um, yeah. Look, um, we knew, don't get me wrong, it wasn't Sunday morning. It wasn't even Saturday night. We knew as that game was going on, that is the end. Um, not so, I think... There was a part of me that was thinking, even if he gets back to 2-2, we might, you know, it'd be kept on for a little bit longer. But even then, you were thinking, there'd be no point prolonging this. In much the same way that we've talked for the last few weeks, in that, you know, the, the Liverpool game seemed to be the, the catalyst, the change of the tide, the shift in the mood and everything like that. It was a matter of when and not if. So we were prolonging this, and obviously, the to lose in that manner to Watford was farcical. So you knew that... I'm not going to say it's never, ever a good thing to lose. And I, I certainly wasn't celebrating it. I was gutted by it. But in a way, when it was 2-1 and you were thinking, is this going to carry on for much longer? And then it went to 4-1 within a matter of seconds. It was kind of like, all right, it's over. We we sort of like move on a little bit. So um, I'm not saying it was good. It definitely wasn't. I'm not saying it was easy. It definitely wasn't. But you sort of braced yourself for it a little bit more. So you knew from the final whistle, it's a matter of when. Not if. You knew that it was going to be, like, come in. It was, wasn't was a case of anyone breaking the news or anything like that until, obviously, United did that on Sunday morning. Um, and, and for me, it wasn't so much the, the fact that they let him go. I think we've talked so often. I mean, how, how many podcasts do we do a week, three or four now? And, like, so it's between three and four hours that we're talking about the raising targets, uh, sorry, the, the raising standards and everything like that. We're expecting United to challenge for the league. 
Um, not so much with the quality of the squad, with the fact that we've signed Varane and we signed Ronaldo, and Ronaldo was a headline signing. Immediately accelerated that expectation. Um, Solskjaer knew it. He talked about it all the time. We knew what we were in for, and he's a victim of that. I'm not saying that, you know, oh, he raised all these standards, but there was a raising standards now. We knew what the club was expecting to do. We knew that they were going to challenge, um, or were they were expected to challenge, I should say. So when it came to it, Solskjaer was the man whose head was on the chopping block. Now, this is the little bit that I didn't really like about it because he's been put out as the only one who's paid the price. Even Matt yeah. McGuire came out and said that he's paid the price. As if, like, that's it, it's all over and we start again. But that's the rhetoric we've been getting from these players for weeks. You know, we go again, we go again, we go again. You can't keep saying there's a blank page because there's a season going to waste all the time. And this one, this um, the decision so much um, didn't affect me so much, but the way that everything was planned out, and we were talking about this yesterday, Phil, you know like how much it wound me up. The the fact that they didn't have a successor in place, they didn't have any plan of a successor. They had this like sort of vague, we're gonna get an interim and we're gonna get um we're gonna get a permanent appointment in the summer. And they didn't have anyone in place and they were still interviewing people, obviously like on Monday or Tuesday. So they're obviously going through a shortlist, which is the process, but the fact is that they had two limbo areas that they didn't know anything about. And obviously, I've, I've already talked about this on the other podcasts that we've done this week, so I don't want to take up too much of fill all your time um, by like repeating the points I made. But obviously, that part of it was terrible to me. Because, and we talked about it privately as well. It was absolutely bugging the hell out of me because I was just like, what are you doing? You're meant to be the biggest club in the world. You're not behaving like it. You're not even behaving like a non-league club. No one would go like this. It's ridiculous. And to say like... Everything with Ollie was reluctant and all that sort of stuff. It didn't look reluctant. It just looked like he didn't have a plan. And this is the thing that worries us as fans because in May we had all these protests and we were meant to sort of invest a little bit of faith in the Glazers. I felt like a complete moron because what I did was I was saying, all right, I don't really trust them, but they've actually said that they're going to talk to us as fans. They're going to increase communication. So you sort of say, all right, well, we'll give them a chance to do that. And every single time that we've had any kind of instance where that relationship's been questioned, it's always been the default of what we expect from the Glazers. And felt like a complete and like this is this episode is absolutely the same as that. Um you don't have any faith in what they're doing. And then obviously this happens with um with the successor uh, that was named yesterday and all of a sudden it's like, well that looks um you know too sensible almost and yeah. I think that's where I am with it, to be honest, Keen. I'm, I'm, I'm still, uh, and I've written about it for the website today, and I've, I've sort of given my thoughts on that. But that's where I am in terms of the the um, journey of this week. It's been a right mess, I'll be honest. Um, I'm feeling a little bit optimistic by what they've done, but I think you do that. Like, it doesn't matter who the person who came in was. I'm sure Phil will agree with me on this. You've named a person, start to get behind that person, start to feel optimistic about who that person is. What they're going to deliver you've got to do that that's why we're fans that's why we're supporting the team um yeah and that's where i am at the moment with it yeah and like you touched on one point there which i actually spoke to, spoke about this just to a work colleague and I, and I kind of aligned it to a business kind of thing it was the fact that manchester United are kind of a multi-billion pound entity and you have an international break and if you have that contingency plan in place why don't they execute whilst you have time to get that person in to get the training done and then ultimately you know 
you have time to work with the players and maybe we're not that much more behind than we already are. Do you know, maybe you've kind of time to salvage it, you know. I think that's where it kind of sat for me. If you were going to do it, the international break for me would have been the ideal time to get the interim in, get yeah. that contingency plan in place. And then also, even after that, plan for the next manager that's going to come in. You have that amount of time to get that contingency in place. Now, luckily, I think the reset button really gets hit after the Chelsea game. I think it's good. We'll get Carrick now. He can have just one kind of last go at it now this Sunday. Um, against Chelsea and then the, I think the real reset button hits Monday morning when our prospective interim manager does come in he puts his own stamp on things and then you can really move forward because you look at the next kind of 13 games after that really favourite fixture list get the points on the board let's let's go again I know it's kind of a cliche that, that's been thrown around this season it's let's go again but really the reset button has really been hit now um, yeah. but it is happening effectively and look let's hope we can we can push forward because you know the last kind of couple of weeks have been tough for all of us but now there is a though i suppose a bit of optimism there because of the reputation of this man who's coming in ralph ragnarick you know he's a very progressive manager a very good coach and not only that one thing he said wayne is the role he's going into afterwards in terms of the consultancy role, role kind of on the other side of things like that that's that's brilliant because you have someone there who is that link between the board and also the, the football inside of things who can guide us in the right direction is something we haven't had post Sir Alex Ferguson and since Sir Alex left we haven't had that haven't had that football in person there to be that link so it, I think it's fantastic that Ragnarick is going to come in and he's going to do that and um, Phil obviously you were a former teammate of Solskjaer and you've spent a lot of time with him especially during the time when you had your injury and you're actually both recovering together at that time for you on a personal level when you've seen kind of Solskjaer kind of lose his job at that time that kind of for you feel like you know you kind of fell firm at that point yeah massively i mean it, you know it was expected i think it was inevitable after the last couple of months and obviously that result um so it was the final nail in the coffin but yeah on a personal level knowing ollie and knowing how much he obviously loves the club and obviously what it means to him um it, it was a sad sort of uh, thing to see and obviously seeing his interview after and the way he was sort of emotional and it hurt and, and and it's obviously something that he's obviously you know he's giving it his best shot you know you could, nobody could question his sort of um commitment and and all that kind of thing i think obviously for him it's it's just you know maybe the job was a little bit too big for him in the end and and the players i feel as well have, have sort of let him down um especially you know in in recent months with with certain individuals but yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to be upset and, and, and all that kind of thing. But I think he's he's obviously brought a lot back to the club. And I think in the, the time that he has been in charge, you know, he's he's made slight progression every time. And uh, I was mentioning to Wayne last night about sort of the cultural side of the club. I think he's re restored a lot of that and brought a lot more sort of, um, you know, positive positivity in that respect back to the club. So... Obviously now with, with Ralph and, and you know whoever comes in maybe after we, we can sort of start you know doing the other things that need to be done as a as a football club such as Manchester United. Um, we we spoke last night about obviously my time when I was at the club and you know that era and and the way things were then. It's um, obviously being run a lot differently nowadays and obviously a lot of the coaching staff and people I spoke to last night are sort of you know comparing the the two. And, and just saying, you know, how much it's changed and how different it is and, you know, probably, you know, not for the better. Obviously, nothing to do with them personally or whatever. Football is uh, always evolving and, and moving and changing. But, 
you know, it's just, you know, something that Manchester United as a club, you know, they, they need to be, you know, challenging and, and, you know, competing for trophies because that's always been, you know, in the DNA and, and part of the history. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just hopeful now that, um, you know, all these left us in a, in a stable sort of position and, and we can sort of, as you say, reset and, and hopefully move forward now and, and sort of start heading in the right direction. Definitely, you you mentioned that as well. There is reset, and it's kind of, kind of looking looking hopefully to more positive times ahead. And look, I'm grateful for what Solskjaer has done. Like people can talk about first team level and what he's done to help rebuild that. But if you even look deeper into that, what his influence on the academy in terms of the restructuring of the academy, do you know when he first came in compared to when the previous regime before that? Do you know the the sixteen academy players have been to introduce to the first team in Solskjaer's reign. So. That that in itself is is so it, it's telling to what his your know, commitment to youth was, and if you look at the development of certain players coming into the first team, such as Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford has developed under him. You know, you obviously we've seen young Brandon Williams come into the team. He's actually playing good for Norwich out on loan at the moment. Like so, when you look at the the loan system as well, he utilised. He also put things into place where, though these loan players were going out to clubs that play similar philosophies to United and play attacking football. Like you look at the way he got Garner to go out to Forest, Laird out to Swansea, do moves like that where it suits them to, so they can come back to this football club and be acclimatized to Manchester United. So I'm grateful to everything he's done. And he's definitely left us in a lot stable place when he first came in. And this new manager coming in now is coming to a very good squad of players, a very good culture as well. Like there's a lot of good lads there, do you know? And I think that's where the new manager comes in, implements their style of play now. I think we, we we can definitely look to more exciting times ahead. But looking forward now, obviously, to this Sunday, obviously, big game um, against Chelsea in, in the Premier League. Obviously, like you look at them at the moment, they're absolutely flying um, in terms of their, their league form. You know, they obviously just had a 4 0 win the Champions League against the Aventus as well. Wayne, obviously, in recent years, in the last kind of three or four years, we've had a very good record um, at Stamford Bridge. Um, for yourself, obviously, look, if you look at the form book, we're not the favourites to come into this game, but do you take any pride in the fact that we've had a very good record at Stamford Bridge during the last couple of years and a lot of it has been under with these current players? Do you think we can go into this game at the weekend and maybe look at our record and maybe say, look, the last couple of weeks have been tough. Obviously, we've new manager coming in Monday morning. Is this a case where a lot of these players could have kind of a spring in their step and maybe say, let's take, let's take pride in the record Let's try and impress the new manager. Maybe you know we can go out there and get something out of the game. Maybe I mean you've got to look at that as the positive way of of trying to get a result, and that's one aspect that you would imagine Carrick and the lads will be looking at. The problem that you've got is that every so many things have changed in the time where we had that good record. You've had, got this complete. So obviously we've not got the same manager. The loss of confidence in that squad is vast. A lot of the players are injured as well. Chelsea have turned around the European champions there on a high. Um, but football is so funny with stuff like this, isn't it? Like, I mean, Chelsea United was, going back to the 90s, I can remember, that it was always Chelsea would win at Old Trafford and United would win at Stamford Bridge. It was just the way that it, it's sort of been that way historically for some reason. I know that there was a long period where it went where we didn't win at Stamford Bridge, maybe like sort of 10 10 years or so it was a long time when yeah, from the moon long time, yeah. yeah it was a long time um maybe not 10 years but it was definitely a long time 
Um, I think it was from like two thousand. Wasn't it like from two thousand and four to like two thousand and eleven? It was something like that in around that time frame. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it was a bit earlier than that. I think uh, going back to two thousand two. Because I remember we yeah. did a three and, and scores and Van Nistelrooy scored. So and that was the oh one oh two season. So and I think what broke the duck might have actually been either a Champions League win or a League Cup win. So it wasn't you know it took a long time to break that duck basically. And because Chelsea became formidable in that time, and this one talking about things change. Um, and, and things are changing again. It's a very different Chelsea side. What I will say is I still expect Chelsea to win because they've got a lot of quality and we still, I mean, you look at our absentees, both of the central defenders are going to be missing. Uh, I know Maguire's not in the best of form, but he was all right on Tuesday night. Um, the fullbacks, you don't know what you're going to get from them. The, the midfield, you know what you're going to get from them and that's the concern. Um, he just, I mean, Carrick had a really good tactical plan on Tuesday night. He, he, he really... Yeah. Did it up to, to drop Fernandez or rest him and then bring him on like he did in Rashford. That that changed the game really. And it was yeah. like it was, it was almost like a planned move, like, all right, we've contained it and now we're gonna switch it up on that that last 30 minutes. Um I don't wanna this is gonna sound weird because I, it's gonna sound like I'm I'm sort of going way over the top to praise Carrick, and I'm not. I hopefully the people watching this and you guys will understand what I mean. In terms of control, I'm not talking about the quality of the play, but in terms of the way we controlled that game, I haven't yeah. seen us play that way in a European game since Fergie. And I'll say it like since in Fergie, game I management. I haven't in game seen management. Yeah. In that last 30 minutes, we were in control. Um, it never looked like we were gonna we were panicking, which is a massive step forward for us as a, as a club and as a team and then and then we scored the two late goals and the second goal the move for that was incredible i know there was a bit of fortuitousness with the first but they all came from fred being aggressive and winning the ball back so um yeah it was, it was a strange one because i felt it was so weird that i f had that feeling in the last half an hour i'm not saying like i said the football i'm not saying it was anywhere comparable and we've seen better football since fergie retired i'm just talking about the feel, the way that the players were carrying themselves. It was so odd. And maybe it's because the expectations were quite low. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking, I'm not quite sure what to expect here, but they go and deliver something like that. Um, so the point I'm making about um, Sundays, um, you don't, because you don't know what you're going to get, you might get a similar performance like that. If Carrick can switch it up, if he can do something. And this is why I loved Ollie in this, really in the start of his, his time at United. Is that he made these kind of switches? Remember the split strikers that he was doing? He was playing like Lingard as a false nine, and yeah. like Rashford and whoever would be playing. As far as away, weren't it? That's the first time he done it. Yeah, and he did, he also did it. Is it Arsenal in the cup? He put Lukaku on the right wing, and we scored. And Sanchez scored at yeah. Arsenal last goal for us. So it, Carrick looks like he's got something about him in that kind of regard. And let's not discount the new manager bounce. All things being equal. Sorry for the long answer, but all things being equal, Chelsea will win. I don't think they'll win as comfortably as um, the most recent league games have, have suggested that they might. Um, in terms of our form, I think we'll be a lot closer. But I still expect Chelsea to win, um, just because they've got the quality and we've got a lot of absentees. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't back against us. I know it sounds like I'm backing against us, but... I wouldn't be surprised if we get a result because um, because of all those factors. You know, that maybe a tactical surprise, maybe the new manager bounce as well. Um, you just never know. And I'm looking forward to it anyway. I'll say that. Yeah, I think if you look at the the way the Villarreal game panned out, like he he, 
he, he was compact in midfield. You could see in possession, we were in a kind of 4 3 3, but out of possession, we were in a 4 4 2. Like we were compact, we kept it tight. And you see Martial and Joe Ronaldo tucked into two strikers. Fred was a left, a left, left midfield player, though Van der Beek and McTominay were the two central midfield players. And Joe Sancho was on the right. They kept it real tight and compact. And then obviously, then 60 minutes happens, he makes that substitution of Bruno and Rashford to stretch the game because at, the, at that point, Villarreal were starting to do obviously Zimmer and energy at that point. And you've seen the minute Fernandez came on and Rashford came on, we stretched them. And though Villarreal's legs were gone at that point, and then you've seen the chances being created. And just on a touch on Bruno just for a second there, because you, you have six assists in the Champions League already. Like he's like rowing in the group stage, and he's three assists away from the record, which is staggering, really. Like, and that shows like even people say last season all he scored with penalties. When you look at it, he's he is a complete attacking midfielder. Like he's his eye for a pass is unbelievable, and he's someone who I think in this Ragnarok system, in terms of the the pressing and the counter pressing, I think Bruno Fernandez is going to be sensational, even like above what he was under Solskjaer's system. I think he's going to reach even reach a new level because this new system that he's going to come into, that it suits it suits a player like Bruno in terms of being aggressive, you know, pressing from the front, and hopefully now we can see even better better numbers from him in, in the new year. So I think he's someone who can definitely flourish. And again, look, when you have Cristiano Ronaldo up front, anything's possible. Like that, that's the way I see it. Like you see his intelligence of knowing where to be when Fred, you know, got that break of play and then well taken finished over the keeper and just again solidifying why he's the greatest of all time. I know I get a lot of slating on Twitter every time I put that up. I do not care. You can slate me all you want. But I think he is like he at, at 36, 30, 37 years of age to be still that level of professionalism and the way he carries himself and still to be that level of performance in that age, it just shows still his commitment and his drive. And, you know, in this new system, I'm very intrigued to see how Ragnarok kind of implements Ronaldo into this system because I think with terms of like work rate and stuff like that, we get players pressing around them and we can win the ball back quickly in them situations like we did Tuesday what we can do in a kind of sustained period. We can get that ball quickly to Ronaldo and we can see his numbers really go up. And then with that happening, results hopefully come our way as well. Just going to come to a couple of comments here as well. Bat time with Vaughn is in the comments. Um, hello, hello, lads. I'd be really interested to hear what Phil thinks about who the best players are. Fullback to cover the huge spaces. Uh, Ragnarok style is going to leave. So I'm guessing he's talking about like the fact we Ragnarok plays are really high line. Um, and he almost he almost sits on the halfway line with his style style of play, especially like with, with Leipzig. He was very kind of that kind of heavy with tactics. For you, if you're looking at the way he plays, who would be best suited to play a fullback, Bill? Um, it's a difficult one because I think obviously you know we're, we're pretty limited in in them positions with you know Wan Pasaka and Luke Shaw have obviously been the the two main ones who who obviously when everyone's fit would be probably your first choice, but. Um, you know, Tellez potentially. I mean, he, he looked like he was, you know, um, that maybe type of player when he was at Porto. I know he's not had a run of games really, um, at United yet, uh, but he could potentially, you know, maybe do that. Um, Dallo, I'm not too sure about him to be honest. I don't think he's, you know, defensively sound enough to, to sort of play in that role and, and sort of, you know not get exposed. I think we've seen him a few times, obviously against Villarreal, the one that stands out the most probably in the recent times where he, he had a bit of a torrid time. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult question. I think with, with the personnel that we've got, you, you'd probably have to say Wambasaka and Shaw. Uh, whether that's a position or something that you know Ragnarok's going to potentially look at and maybe look to strengthen and bring in players in, you know, them positions. I, I don't know. It's obviously you know yet to be seen. But yeah, obviously interesting, and and it'll be good to sort of see what kind of. Uh, changes he makes and, and sort of how he maybe you know alters personnel maybe to suit that system definitely and I'm just going to give a shout not even so much Ragnarok system but whoever the next manager is who comes in on a permanent basis because I dare to say if you're getting Ragnarok in for this six months you're going to have someone in who's going to be a similar kind of profile to him in terms of kind of a heavy pressing style and attacking style I won't be shocked to see Eaton Laird come in next season and really challenge Wan-Bissaka for that right hand side right fullback spot if anyone's been watching him for Swansea on his loan deal this year he's been fantastic he was unbelievable for MK Dons in League One he's been really good now in the championship for Swansea the next level of progression is either challenge Wan-Bissaka or maybe go out and loan but don't be shocked if you see Laird come in next season and really challenge Aaron because he, if you're looking at a repressing system and attacking manager I think Eaton Laird would be suited to that and he's a very good right fullback and definitely one for the future in my eyes anyway Um. But Wayne, just obviously touching on this weekend, just talking about the opposition just for a moment. Um, Chelsea's fullbacks have been kind of a, a, a massive talking point by Manny going into this weekend, and, and especially Carrick in his press conference today. You look at kind of Reese James at right back at the moment. Um, Manny people are talking about him as probably the most informed fullback in England at the moment, especially by his goal scoring attributes at the minute. Do you maybe think it? Uh, this weekend especially on our left flank that maybe we need to be more pragmatic kind of coming into this weekend because of Chelsea's overloads kind of on that right hand side yeah I mean we're fairly lucky that Chilwell's injured right so yeah. we, we got some balance there we I mean don't get me wrong they'll still I mean Alonso right. will still be dangerous but exactly. he's, he's always been good against us in the past um so it's not like you're shutting off one avenue of danger and just concentrating on on the other um, look, look. If we if we're gonna say like he's the best fullback in England in the moment, um, James, which I I would agree with. I think he's been magnificent this season. Um, you you effectively saying the best right back in the world because at the moment that's where all the power is in the in the Premier League. And James has just been phenomenal, hasn't he? Let's let's not pull any punches. It's been unreal. Um, and you can't um, argue the. The strength that he's got, the the quality that he's got in the final third. I mean, he's he strikes me as a better footballer than um, Alexander Arnold. You know what I mean? On the ball, he looks like a yeah. winger sometimes. And obviously, his goal threat is proven that because of how good he is in the box, um, which is crazy for a right back. You've never seen or Cafu, someone like that, who you'd be scared of scoring. Um, yeah. Maybe Phil when he played right back a few times. But <laughs> I can't think of like any other, like not many others who, who possess that kind of Valencia for us. Funnily enough, had a bit of a goal threat from right back. But under Van Hal, yeah, he was really good at right back, weren't he? But yeah, so uh, no, I mean not in the same class as James looks at the moment. This, this is just unreal. This kind of form, um, and you would look at him and say, well, that kind of form puts it. You don't want to speak to. To Ailey over a run of form over where he puts him in the sort of all time reckoning, but he's he's playing so well, so well that you know, like a couple of years ago when they were talking about Alexander Arnold, and I was sort of like, mm, I'm not really sure if the hype, you know, his assists are great and everything like that, but his defensive quality, you know, sometimes a little bit suspect. Whereas this guy, he's a bomber down that side, he's like, Yeah, you can be genuinely fearful of what he's going to do to United, 
So, yeah, and you talk about Shaw or maybe Tellez playing there. I, I probably back Tellez more because I think Tellez will be... Shaw has a tendency this, this season in particular to go missing. He'll gamble. He, he takes a lot of gambles that he shouldn't be taking. Um, and maybe maybe over this week, he's, if he's done any training, he'll be a bit more pragmatic on it and like saying, you know, don't take that gamble. But you can see, especially when you're watching it, um, maybe I don't know how much it, this comes across on television, but when you're actually watching the game and you've been to a few key, you'll know what I mean. When the balls yeah. are bouncing near Shaw, you know that he's not going to get it. His reactions are late. His reactions are very late. And he still goes for the ones you know he's not going to get, which is yeah. causing a lot of problems. And, you know, if that happens against a player like James, say goodbye to that result within half an hour because he'll just tear you apart, um, which is precisely what United don't need at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of James, yeah, I mean, he can't speak any more highly of him. He's, he's the outstanding right-back in world football at the moment and he's going to be a major danger, but they've got a lot of quality around the pitch. Is it, am I right in thinking that Kante is a doubt as well? Because I know he came off against Kante. is out. I was actually t- I was talking to a Chelsea fan um, last night, and Kante is out, Chilwell's out, okay, and so they're both out. And the Kaka was back though. Well, I'm not. I, you know, I'm not too worried. I know he, I, I'll say this, he'll probably score a couple of goals against us, but I'm not too worried about him because we know what he does. You know, he scored against us in the past, right? You know, he's, he's, he's done that plenty of times, so he, he could easily do it. I'm not too worried about him in particular because it's, it's the other players that they've got who are, who are so good at the moment. I know that they, you know, obviously Lukaku was part of that system. Don't get me wrong, I'm not. Yeah, I better shut up about him because I know that'll come back to haunt me. But <laughs> someone, still... will, someone will clip us up and say we're, we're bad melting Lukaku if he scores two on Sunday. Look, I see. I'll stand by that because I still think that we were right to let him go, and a lot of people yeah. got on Sol Charles back when he was scoring goals for Inter and all that. But I still felt it was like for the system at that time. For the yeah, system at like, that time was right to go. Like letting Van Nistelrooy go when Van Nistelrooy still had loads to give. You know, if you were talking on quality, you would never have let Van Nistelrooy go for another three years. But he he did because at the time we had Ronaldo and Mooney emerging and he just couldn't stop them. So that was like it for Lukaku and not so much Lukaku in terms of we had the players breaking through, but he was slowing everything down. And maybe it was a lot to do not on Lukaku, by the way. Maybe it was Mourinho's dietitians and all that sort of stuff that we were told about, you know, that he was about a stone and a half heavier when he left United. Um, and I'm not blaming Lukaku. I'm talking about the regime that he was on. So all these yeah. kind of... He, he wasn't a fit for United. Look, they've got a lot of threats all over the pitch. You know, it's not just Reese James. He's the major one because he's in such good form at the moment. But sometimes when you've got a player who's in such good form, you concentrate too much on him. And then, you know, Chelsea have got that kind of danger all over the pitch. And Tuchel will know that. He's such a good coach. that He'll probably know... We're planning to deal with that, so strike elsewhere, you know. And we've got a lot yeah. of weaknesses in the back. They don't have to concentrate on the left. We've got a lot of weaknesses, particularly if it's going to be Lindelof and Bay playing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's the, the kind of thing when you've got Lindelof and Bay and probably McTominay and Fred, you're looking at that and thinking, well, we don't stand much of a chance, but that's the gamble, isn't it, really? You look, they, we've got obvious weaknesses. There's no point talking about what they're going to exploit because they can exploit anything with all the players they've got. It's like very much a case of touching wood for 90, 90 minutes and and hoping that we'll come through it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm saying that we've got weaknesses and deficiencies, but you've got to say you've got to take your hat off to a player like Reese James because um, he's been so good, so good. It's a shame that yeah. Lawrence didn't get him to um, sign for us, you know. But what can you do? 
yeah what can you do there like but this is one of them things where you, you appreciate quality in the opposition and you can respectfully say like you know look that's a quality player that is going to be a threat Sunday and look I expect Carrick Carrick is a very intelligent individual I'd say he will have a plan in place um, and probably when you look at the Villarreal game the way we were off the ball that's the way I probably expect us to be to try and nullify Chelsea's kind of wit you know defending in the 4-4-2 you know, to, to avoid them playing out from the back, you know, with the, with the three centre-backs, having two up there to put them under pressure, then having the two white players out there, like, that's probably what they're they're planning on doing. Phil, we obviously touched on, um, just every, every week, we, we always touch on kind of the, what we can do going forward. Obviously, Donny van der Beek's been playing fantastically well in the last kind of couple of games. He's come in and he got a start um, against, against Villarreal and obviously they come off the bench against Watford as well and I know the scoreline doesn't warrant it, but he kind of ran the show in midfield when he was on. He he was creating a lot of chances to look very bright. For you, when you look at the way Chelsea play and the fact they always have that link between midfield, you know, obviously, especially through Jorginho, do you think maybe Donny van der Beek would be that player to kind of, I suppose, try and nullify Chelsea in midfield, but also the fact he can mind possession very well? Do you maybe think this game on Sunday suits him compared to maybe, let's say, Fernandez? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one again because obviously he has been playing really well in the last couple of games with the, the opportunities he's been given. So for me, if, if I'm Carrick and, you know, I've got a player who's not been playing for so long and then, you know, he's came in and he's, he's obviously reacted in a positive way and he's playing well, for me, yeah, I, I would sort of give him the nod. And, and again, as you just mentioned, I think that kind of game would potentially suit, you know, his attributes and, and you know, see the way we would probably want to be, you know, going about the game. So for me, yeah, I actually think he would be a suit um, for, for that particular game and, and to play in that position against someone like Jorginho. I think, you know, he's a lot more mobile um, than Jorginho. Obviously, he is a good player and he can play passes and he's, you know, good at, you know, keeping the ball ticking over and stuff. Uh, a lot of their play goes through him. Um, I think, obviously, Van der Beek would, would be... Uh, somebody who could maybe you know nullify that and and sort of similar you know, to what one Matt had done at Stamford Bridge yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, so I mean, again, you know, that could be something that Carrick's looked at and and sort of pinpointed and and you know is something that he's looking at to you know give us the edge maybe and and try and sort of as I said just just nullify that because he is the main sort of playmaker from the the back four to you know link in the midfield. He, he does like to get on the ball and. You know, play a lot of passes. He does the same job for Italy, and you know he's a very good player. But someone like Van der Beek, who's in good form, you know, getting in around him, and and you know maybe you know the press a little bit higher could maybe catch him out, and and then you know you're in the attacking third, and and you you could maybe you know nick a goal, and and I think that's probably the best chance United have got really um, of of getting a result really um, against Chelsea because we've just said obviously they're, they're on fire at the moment. Um, you know, the full back four for me is probably, you know, one of the best back fours in world football at this moment in time. The keeper's been outstanding. Uh, Rudiger for me is is probably, you know, put himself on sort of the map again because he's, you know, been outstanding. He's scoring goals. He looks solid. He's aggressive. Also available on a free in the summer as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. I, w- I would be very surprised if, if he didn't get a new deal or you know, get offered a new deal in the next, you know, couple of months because for me, he's been probably one of the best defenders, certainly in the Premier League, if not, you know, world football over the last couple of months. Um, and obviously, Thiago Silva, you know, still, you know, 
played one off the line the other night against Juventus, like a, a Hallberg kick and, you know, 37, 38 years of age. Ridiculous. The experience he's got and obviously, you know, the, the sort of wealth of, of knowledge of, of the game. He's played it a long time at the top level. So it's going to be obviously a difficult game and, and you know, something that, as, as I agree with Wayne, I think it's going to be, you know, if we're being honest, it's going to be a game that Chelsea, you know, should win on paper. But I always try and look at the, the positive side of it. And with the new manager coming in, you know, every sort of player's on maybe a bit of a clean slate when, when a new manager comes in. You know, everyone's going to be sort of want to make a good impression, going to be fighting for, you know, the places, trying to keep the shirt. And, you know, you've got to look at it that way, really, as a United fan and hope that we can, you know, get a result. Definitely. Hopefully we can nick it Sunday. And for me, I'm just always, I'm always positive going to every game. I always look at the way we can exploit teams. I'm very kind of, I suppose, I always analyze it really heavily. You know, I always think, right, this is where Ronaldo can get in. Rashford, maybe catch him and not channels. You know, that's where I am. And look, I'll never change in, in that regard, you know. But um, just before we touch on Ragnarok, just before we uh, we end end the stream, um, score predictions from you both, obviously, Phil, uh, sorry, Wayne, you're going to take Lee's place here with our score predictions on the podcast. We always do this near the end, so you're going to take over from Lee this weekend. I'm not going to do it. I'm not <laughs> going to do a score prediction. Sorry, sorry if that's letting Lee down, but I can't do it because I, I can. I'm happy to predict that Lukaku is not going to do anything, or that Reese James is going to tear as a new one. I'm not going to sit here and do scores. I hate doing it. Like it's just. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't do it on the pod. Sometimes I set Paul Parker up to do it on a Monday morning, but I, I can't do it. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I just, I'll just go for a United win because you've got to be positive about it. Um, but I can't do a score. I just, yeah, I'd be mad. I'll be, I'll be too tempted to go to the bookies and put it on. That's what it is, and then I'll be more invested. In it. You'll have it in your head for you'll have it in your head for the whole weekend, and then you exactly. do. <laughs> on that note. Phil, I'll get your score prediction in from you now. I can see the comments. There's a couple of people in the comments giving their predictions as well. Um, Phil, what would be your score prediction for Sunday's game? Um, I obviously want to look at the positive side of things. And, and you know, I have been doing that sort of in the last couple of weeks, even though sometimes I have, you know, in the back of my mind thought maybe a different score. But um, just because, obviously, we've got a new manager and... You know, it's a clean slate and I think some of the players are going to obviously want to try and prove a point and, you know, make a, a big statement and, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to say they're going to win, but I'm, I'm going to say that it's going to be a good performance and we're going to get a draw. So I'm going to go for 1-1, which I think would be a, a really good result away at Chelsea at the minute, the form there. And, um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I have the same prediction. I think it's going to be a one-all draw and I think we will take the lead on Sunday. And um, I think we're going to shock a lot of people with our performance. And I think this is redemption for me. I think this is where we really kick on and we do move forward. Reese says in the comments also one-all. Um, Carter's 87 also says 2-1. Um, Bad Time of Vaughan says 1-0 um, and also says redemption as well. Um, and also Tree says 1-1. Um, what's that? 1-0. Um, as well, so yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of confident people here, um, with regards to this, and hopefully, look, we can we can keep this form going and let's let's push forward. We got to win. We got to win during the week. Let's kind of joke. Let's continue that. Let's get another one. You know, and let's get that feeling going again. And no better place to do it than the team that's top of the league at the moment. That that no better way to start it. No better way to start it. But before we end it, guys, I just want to get both your thoughts. Obviously, like 
the a lot of reports been circulating in the last kind of 24 hours that Ralph Ragnarick is coming in and to Manchester United's interim manager for six months and then moving into the consultancy role for two years and following that just get, I want to get both of your initial thoughts um on that just before we kind of wrap up and Wayne's coming to you first when that news broke obviously he's very progressive manager in terms of his style of playing his pressing is very kind of has a massive reputation in European football especially being kind of the I suppose a guiding light to the likes of Thomas Tuchel and, and Jurgen Klopp etc what are your thoughts him coming in as an interim first of all and then going to kind of that consultancy role kind of after that yeah um I don't read too much into the sort of godfather of um that style of play because I think there are a couple of other German coaches that club has got as a tutor but he's very much a teacher of it rather than a student of the philosophy and um but I I am um of, of the theory is that he comes in and he puts this modern style of playing right that, that's the theory we're all excited about that but we were under Van Gaal as well. And Van Gaal is it's almost identical in, in terms of he's 63. He's got this track record behind him of having done it elsewhere. Um, and he's coming in. And, and the suspicion is that it's possibly three or four years too late for us to adopt that style. Because they may, in terms of progressive coaches, there may well be another style within two years. Do you know what I mean? That's the concern. Obviously, the hope is that he comes in and we, we get this, like everyone's saying in the comments, it's going to work for us and that it'll, it'll be right and the players will adapt to it and then he, if they don't adapt to it, then he'll bring in new players. The problem that we've got is that he's got six or seven months. You know what I mean? If he, those players don't adapt to it, he's not going to be able to replace them. So, you know, I don't really think he's going to have money to spend in January. So what's he going to do? Do you know what I mean? The... There are all these kind of concerns, and I don't want to be a downer on it because I, I do actually think, I said it earlier, I think when you look at all the options that are on the table is the sensible one. And the strategy, what you talked about, about him possibly going into the, you know, like looking after the football side of things while another coach comes in, all of that in theory sounds like the right thing for Manchester United to be doing. I just think that um, in the theory side of it is great, but Manchester United don't run on theory and we've seen what happens it's all right saying he's going to come in and demand control and he might get it for a little bit, but the Glazers always have control. Do you know what I mean? How much are they going yeah. to relinquish? What, at what point do they hit back and say, well, no, you've had two players, you're not getting the third or fourth one, which is exactly what's happened to Van Gogh. It's exactly what happened to Mourinho, exactly what happened to Solskjaer. And the managers have had their heads on the chopping block for it. Um, in theory, like in the same way that I was optimistic about um, Van Gogh and Mourinho, and not so much Solskjaer. I had a lot of reservations at the start, which he actually surpassed, funnily enough. Um, but certainly Van Gaal and Mourinho was so high on optimism at the start because I, I could see all the qualities of what they've got. And I think it's a case of having been burned too many times by the board, the realistic sort of consequences of what you see from the board and the way that they interfere. Um, but I do want to finish this by being pos uh, positive about it, Keen. And I want to say that, you know, in theory, like we've said, like everyone is saying, um, everything seems like the logical, sensible thing for Manchester United. It seems like, every, in terms of the timing as well, I think he's coming. You mentioned it earlier about the, the foundation that Ollie left. I think all of the work that Ollie's done, and, and Bill will attest to this from what everyone was saying last night, it's a much better place than what it was when Mourinho took over. Um, the foundations that have been left there, the turnover of the staff, the fact that. Um, the 
Mourinho and Van Gaal had like these old ways of doing things and Oli came in and a lot of that's already been modernised. They were in the process of hiring new staff. They're still in the middle of doing that. Staff are meant to be like seeing out the notice periods of other clubs and stuff like that. So they were still doing that. They're still in the process of modernising it. So that's what he's walking into. Definitely a more modern setup than what it was two years ago. So maybe everything is in the right place for him to succeed and to kick off from the, the ground running. The other thing as well, again, I don't want to be too cautious about it, but two kills football at the start at Chelsea was pretty dismal. They had some bad results. So let's not get on his back straight away if it doesn't look like he's working straight away. You always know there's one section of the fan base wing that'll do that, but look, yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah, obviously. The other one is Klopp took a lot longer. He took, like, I mean, they were. I'm sure you guys can remember, wasn't it like a two-year spell where his points per game was lower than Moises and everyone kept pulling it up like, oh, he's still doing yeah. the Moises. And that was still happening. They, they celebrated a 2-2 draw home to West Brom and all that sort of stuff. They, they were memes for a couple of years and then look at what they've done since. So you've got to have, and I was saying this under Solskjaer and I said it under Mourinho, you've got to have patience with what they're building, especially this kind of system because the long-term rewards could be magnificent but you've got it's not going to happen from day one, especially with the wanting to be blunt. This squad of players, two or three players, are going to have to be shipped out. He talks about the fullbacks. We don't know if it's going to be them, but there's certainly going to need to be a couple of big changes. Um, the manager's going to have to be given this kind of control that no other manager has been given before, and and you just hope that with all that in place, that the success that we've been wanting for all this time is finally going to happen. But it, actually seems like the most logical decision that we've made um, since Sir Alex retired, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And one thing I'd say is that the phrase I'd use for all this is cautiously optimistic. That's the way I'd be right now, is cautiously optimistic. It's, it's yeah. all there in theory. He's just putting into practice now, and hopefully hopefully the board keep their word. Hopefully Ragnarik works out, and then whoever comes in, whoever that prospective new manager is, obviously I don't like to speculate, but you'd like to think it's someone from a similar ilk in terms of style of play and stuff like that. So hopefully that works out. But Phil, obviously, just to wrap it up, just your thoughts on, on Ragnarik yourself. Obviously, his style of football is very high thought of, and we have a lot of great forward-thinking players in the, in the team. Obviously, you being a forward yourself, you've seen Mason from a young age develop, and he's obviously come through through Solskjaer's tenure. And Marcus has also you know, come into his own in the kind of the last you know, couple of couple of months and years. Like, for you... Are you at a point now where do you think this new appointment of Ragnarik can maybe help further the progression of our young forwards such as Mason and, and Rashford? Yeah, I think most definitely for me. I think obviously with the way he plays and, and obviously the, the the way the game is in in the modern era with with the high pressing and you know you see a lot of the the, the best teams now around Europe doing it. I think for me the likes of Rashford and, and Greenwood and, and Sancho, you know. They are outstanding players on the day. You know they can they can win a game of football. Um, they can score goals from anywhere. But I just think this pressing and and the way that you know hopefully this Ragnarik will get them to sort of offer more maybe off the ball and and sort of you know being more proactive rather than reactive on the pitch. Um, I think that's what will take these likes of, the likes of these players to the next level for me because when I look at footballers who you know. A world class, they all, you know, work the socks off as well, and and they all put a shift in off the ball defensively. You know, it's not just you know luxury players unless you sort of you know 
a Messi or a, a Ronaldo or you know a Neymar, but the rest of them players are all working um, in unison with with the rest of the team, and I think that's what at this moment in time, obviously, you know, is is the big difference with with United comparing them to sort of Liverpool, Chelsea, and City. Um, you know, the, the quality of players is probably on a par for me in terms of the depth of squad. Um, I just think it's you know them little fine details that we're, we're sort of missing on, and, and hopefully. You know, um, this new fella uh, is is going to come in and and sort of you know, as we just said, we're all optimistic that it'll you know hit the ground running and, and it'll work straight away. We're obviously you know there's no guarantees that that will happen, but I'm hoping that you know these elements and these parts of these other lads' games can be looked at and you know improved on, and then that's something that we can you know push forward and and hopefully you know take us to that same level that the other teams that are sort of, you know, in front of us at this moment in time, because I, I want to be back and I want to be, you know, feeling confident about, you know, what the team's going to deliver on a regular basis. I think at this moment in time, all United fans, every time we play, you know, it's what team are we going to get? What performance are we going to get? Where's the consistency? You know, players, you know, going from an 8 out of 10 to a 4 out of 10, it, you, you can't have that um, sort of, you know, to, to sort of challenge at any level of football, never mind at the top level, you, you've got to be, you know, consistently putting in performances where, you know, you, you know what you, you're going to get from all your team members. And, and I think obviously that's a, a massive um, sort of place that we're, we're struggling with at the moment. So, yeah, hopefully this 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 new guy, um, Ragnarik, will, will come in and implement some of these new um you know philosophies and styles and and we can you know start to sort of look into it and and build on it and you know as i say you know rome isn't built in a day it's not going to happen straight away it's going to be a sort of um you know maybe a, a longer process that some fans will want but for me you know we've we've got to sort of start now and and hopefully we can catch up with you know some of the other teams in, in the not so distant future yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at the, his overall philosophy and his, his kind of the way he sees football, it, it, it is something that we've been crying out for for quite some time in terms of that style and with the type of forward players we have. It's just, it's putting Thierry into practice now, I think, is, is the most important thing. And hopefully, look, he gets it, he gets the patience from our fan base. Because as you said, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think, you know, there is there's a lot of naive things on social media. But look, people... I think when you look at it, like the the fans who who have been born and bred to this football club and the people who've supported it for a long time will know that this football club gives every manager time, whether it was Mourinho, whether it was for Sir Alex, whether it was you know Van Gaal, Moyes, everyone who was here who has been here, everyone's got time, and like there every manager is going to be a forward time. Ragnarik's going to get the same, and whoever the, the permanent manager is coming in after that, we'll give them time and pa- patience. But again, there's sometimes you can't. You know, you can't pinpoint exactly when, why people don't give people time, but that's just, I think, this kind of era of football fans. Um, I'm just going to come to just two final comments just before we wrap up. Um, Reese says, up the relentless Ralph Jen press and reds. And also, Reese touches on Wayne's um, documentary as well. He says, oh, and Wayne, I've watched your documentary again. You recommend on the show with Merlin too. Good to go down top stuff. Absolutely. Joe, Wayne's documentaries. That one, not only that, they also... Um, true genius George Best one absolutely yeah. fantastic that's normally on BT Sport as well so do 
catch that as well normally on most of the time when we're working from home as well so it's always handy to have a good documentary on while you're working just getting that plug in there as well but in terms of channel content guys do check out um wayne's podcast with paddy barkley if anyone's interested in manchester united history and the culture of this football club do recommend you go and check it out on our youtube channel the link for our channel is below phil and the talk the devils so do check that out. Um, Wayne, when's your next podcast coming up with him? So uh, obviously with Paul Parker on Monday morning, that, that's always there Monday at 10. But the um, the ones with Paddy, we tend to run on the Thursdays, um, Thursday evenings. But obviously next week, um, United are playing on Thursday evening. So I might drop it on the Wednesday evening instead. Um, we do tend to do it on Thursdays. Um, the, the two that we've recorded so far, Busby's first season in charge, so it's 46, 47, and all the um, groundwork that went into what Busby was building literally in the, the years before he arrived in terms of Creekmore and Gibson and Rocker being there. And then this um, episode that we released yesterday was the 47, 48, which was the 1948 FA Cup final. And on there, um, anyone who wants to watch that, you're going to get a proper thorough um, run through Manchester United history on those episodes. You're going to get um, the tactics of the team in every episode. So you're going to get the formation, the regular team. You're going to get squad. Um, all the squad players, all of them are going to be mentioned. You're going to see pictures of them all. You're going to get all the statistics. You're going to get all the main stories. It's literally, um, without question, it's the most comprehensive record of united history that's going to be on youtube and that's happening as we speak on this channel so um and obviously paddy's my idol um in terms of football writing so to be able to share that time with him is always a pleasure with me we've obviously got a few of those episodes already in the bank but releasing them on a weekly basis um and then generally we'll do a week after they'll go on the podcast as well the audio podcast as well yeah absolutely and look if you want to check out real manchester united fan culture and, and and history this is definitely the youtube channel and podcast to be at and also look this podcast will also be back next friday as well Um, i'll be just off the plane and all back from the arsenal game fresh in the mind so i'll be here with phil and lee reviewing the game as well as always and don't forget also check out our website www.talkadevils.co.uk wayne has an article up with regards to ralph ragnarick and what he's going to bring to manchester united so do check that out as well as well all the up-to-date manchester united news as well do check that out as well and as always hit that subscribe button below and fill the bell notification hit that beside it as well every time wayne has a podcast up with paddy barkley or he goes live on a monday morning do you know with paul parker or our podcast with scott Wooten, any podcast we have if you hit that bell notification you'll get that notification on your smartphone tablet or whatever it may be so do hit that and you'll be first to see when we, any of our content does go up but thanks very much to both the guys for coming on this evening. I hope everyone enjoys their weekend. And most importantly, let's hope Manchester United go out and get the win um, Sunday evening. But thanks very much, everyone, for watching and listening on audio. Until next week, we'll see you laughter. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.